Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Tuesday, April the 25th, 2023. It is currently 1.33 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, this afternoon, we're going to have a conversation. At least I hope it's a conversation. I hope I hope you're willing to participate in the conversation. As I have this discussion, I know it will be more like a monologue because I'm simply going to be doing the talking. When I, I you know, of course, you're, if you're listening to me on on the Spreaker app, you can jump into the chat and offer your thoughts or ask questions, which may turn this more into a dialogue. But it's going to come across more like a monologue. Uh, but I want it. I want you to understand that I'm going to be throwing out lots of thoughts and lots of ideas. And I would love to get your feedback. And remember, you can always email me newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, because I would love to get your thoughts and your feedback on this. I cannot say that I have everything perfectly worked out yet. I'm, this is still something that I am thinking through. I'm trying to work out all of the possible implications of, and I'm very aware that I'm going to be mentioning at least there's going to be at least a part of this conversation that's going to tick off and, and irritate and, 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 ang- and anger many of, of you who will listen to this program. Some of you may listen all the time. Some of you may just stumble upon this. And some of you are going to get very, very mad at me because I do take kind of a position that at times puts me once again at odds with Christians. And, and I find it weird that my particular stance on this subject Puts me at odds with Christians. You would think Christians would be on my side, but for some weird reason, they're not. And I and I don't know where why there's such a division there. But what I hope you will hear is that this one little piece of this conversation is not what I'm trying to emphasize. All right, it's not the main point. There's something bigger going on, and that's what I want to try to get to. But to get to the bigger issue, we're going to have to mention. This one thing, these objects, these objects, these inanimate objects that for some weird reason, people have much, um, how can we say, affection for, a desire for, a desire to protect them, a desire to defend them, a desire to promote them, uh, even as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. It's sometimes kind of odd because I don't see how the two are connected, but Christians tell me that there's a perfect connection because I don't know how to read my Bible. Okay, maybe they are right, but I hope you will see beyond these objects that we will have to mention. All right, so are you ready? All right, are you ready? Here we go. I want to ask you a question. If you look at our culture, 2023, outside of the church and inside of the church, do you feel that we could define the, this current cultural moment inside and outside the church as one of a culture of fear. A culture of fear. Do do you think that's a fair assessment or do you think that that's not fair? 
that currently, right now, we live where fear is becoming our cultural identity. We fear everything. We, we fear, fear, worry, anxiety, fear, worry, a- anxiety. And, and in some ways, I believe that everything promotes this culture of fear from, you know, a, a Fox News alert to breaking news to podcasts. It's always like, this is a threat. This is a fear. They're going to take away your rights. They're coming to do this. They're going to take your children. The culture is changing. They're going to take it. They're going to lock us up in prison. It's fear, 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 fear. You've got to create fear. You've got to create anxiety, almost in sense, to build an audience and keep an audience. I think a culture of fear has so been promoted And since the seeds of a culture of of fear have been so planted for so long that we are now starting to see, well, those seeds come to harvest. We're starting to reap what we have sown. Have we sown such a culture of fear that we are now reaping the consequences of it? Now, you may look at the cultural moment and go, no, 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 no. It's not it's not a culture of fear. It's a culture of immorality. It's a culture of of a lack of faith. It's a culture of ungodly. You may you may define it as so many other things. And I'm not saying there aren't other things. But I want us to think about, are we currently living in a culture of fear? Now, if we look up a definition for the word fear, we will see this fear. An unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. Now, if you slide over on my iPad, here's another definition. An unpleasant feeling triggered by the perception of danger real or imagined. Do we have a culture of fear? And a lot of that fear is based off an imagined threat, an imagined danger that's really not there. But it's that someone has so planted the seeds that now we're reaping this full-blown fear and anxiety and worry and we're and, and the consequences are not good. Let me throw out an idea. Do you remember September the 11th, 2001, when terrorists hijacked planes, killed almost 3,000 America, uh, 3, Americans in the uh, attack on the World Trade Center and, and the Pentagon? Do you remember that? Do you remember then the war in Afghanistan, the war in Iraq? I remember the war in Iraq was very much based off Fear that, hey, they've got weapons of mass destruction. We've got to go in. There was fear. There was fear. And I mean, I think you can remember it. I know I remembered saying things like it that, we look, we need to be worried. We need to be concerned. We, I may not have used the word fear. I may not have said the word panic, but I, 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 I probably did say multiple times that Islam is a threat to our way of life. Islam is the greatest threat. 
Do you remember when Islam was the greatest threat? Do you remember that? How scared we were of the spread of Islam? And in some states and in some cities, they wanted to stop and ban the building of mosques. And of course, I defend, I, I stood against that. I'm like, no, we believe in the freedom of religion. If you can allow a church to be built, you have to allow a mosque to be built. No, because we have the freedom of religion. We're not going to ban a religion because of the actions of some who are a part of said religion. And I, I know I got, I got major, even though I I said Islam was a danger. Um, I got some major hate for my stance on that because I, once again, I stood against many Christians like, no, we need to outlaw Islam. We need to ban the building of mosques. And I'm, whoa, 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 whoa. You take away their freedoms. You take away our freedoms, right? Okay. So, but um, I, there was fear. There was fear that Islam, 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 Islam. And remember the Christian world went to a, went through a spell of full blown focus on Islam, Right. Uh, all apologists started rising up who were supposedly experts on Islam and there were debates with Muslims and, and there were, you know, critiques of the, of the Quran and, and on and on and on and on and on and on. And it became a big deal. It almost became an industry in and of itself because that was the threat. That was the danger. That was the fear. And now we're in 2023. Is Islam even talked about anymore? No, no, no. Now it's books in the children's library that we need to get banned. Now it's drag shows. Now it's transgender. Now we've moved on to something else. Do we live in a perpetual state of fear? And this culture of fear is what drives so much. It drives political power. It drives political voting. It drives social activism. Fear, 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 fear. Now, I can understand the culture being sold fear, buying into fear, and reacting out of fear. But as a believer, as a Christian, from a biblical standpoint, should fear ever be the driving force? How does the Bible say we should respond to fear? What is a biblical approach to fear, worry, and anxiety? I think most of us would say we should not respond to fear and worry and anxiety the same way a Christian, uh, the same way the world does. Someone in the chat just says uh, it comes from all directions. It definitely comes from all directions. It does. But for, for those of us in the church... From those of us inside, I mean, right now, many Christians are running around screaming that you could, you know, if you're a Christian, you better be fearful because you may have a demon and you may be demon possessed. That's kind of a, a new odd twist on things, right? Now the, you know, you know, getting rid of demon, you know, industry in the Christian churches now because Christians have demons. I mean, you scare people to death. You're a Christian. Your problems could be because you have a demon and you need to be delivered. Fear, 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 fear. Right. It's always something. Right. It's always I mean, just go through your Christian life and look at what what Christians are fearful of and worried about. And we need this is it. You know, uh, economic crisis is coming or 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 they're, they're going to microchip us and send us to a FEMA camp or whatever the fear is being sold. I remember, again, I've told the story Sunday evening service at a church here in West Texas. The service is over. The pastor wants everyone to come up and sign a petition there at the front of the church because there's an atheist woman who's trying to get Christian television banned from the airwaves. Well, the whole thing was a hoax made up by atheists to mock Christians because the atheistic woman they were naming as trying to get Christian television taken off the air 
she was dead. And this, this, this conspiracy, this, this hoax got so bad that the federal government had to basically tell Christians, uh, hey, could you stop it? Do you remember the 80s, the great Satan threat? Where there was that, that, that Christians everywhere were scared that Satanists were going to kidnap their children and offer them as a sacrifice. And, and here in West Texas, there were certain small West Texas towns that during the eighties that issued like curfew on Halloween night. I think they did it maybe one year, maybe two years because they were worried that there were teams of Satanists who were going to go around on Halloween and kidnap their children and offer them as a sacrifice. It was crazy. Like this, this say the great satanic threat, the great satanic satanic danger. And there was a Christian industrial complex that built around it. The Satan Cellar by Mike Warnke. Oh, give me. I mean, that was so influential. Satanists were everywhere. There was a Satan, a Satanist under every rock. Remember that great threat? I mean, I've, I just go through your Christian life. You, If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you have seen this. Do we live in a culture of fear? And what should the biblical approach be? That's kind of the question I'm asking. I'm not making a dogmatic assertion at this moment. I'm asking, I'm putting forth a, 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 the, the question for you to consider that how much, because I, I will, I will be dogmatic about this. I have watched my Christian life see these periods of fear being sold to the church and Christians reacting, I don't believe in a biblical way, but in a fleshly way to the fear, to the worry, to the to the concern, to the anxiety, whatever it is. Fearful. I remember when they were doing here in West Texas when I was a teenager, rock music conferences, because rock music was was what parents need to be fearful that if their children listen, and I literally heard this, that if you listen to ACDC, like Hell's Bells, demons will literally come out of your speaker and possess your teenager. Like literally insane things like that. Like Ozzy Osbourne was going to like, you know, oh, diary of a madman. There's an upside down cross on the cover. And that would show the cover and like, you know, and then Marilyn Manson was the greatest threat in the nineties. Like whatever the case may be, it's always fear, 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 fear. And then Christians react to that fear. Typically someone's got a book to sell. Someone's got a DVD. They've got a conference to hold so that we can go and learn the steps to defend us against the greatest fear that we're threatening, that's facing us now. And then a year from now, two years from now, everyone will move away from those books, those conferences to the new conferences and to the new books. Now it's easy as a podcaster I always have to stop myself because I'll be like, ooh, this is the subject everyone's talking about. Ooh, okay, I got to jump in on this because I can get a thousand downloads right here. Ooh, okay, okay, well, let's do it. All right, and then, so I know I can trade, I can chase that fad and find myself getting caught up in the fear culture because the fear culture sells. The fear culture gets the reactions. It gets the, look, I may not get an email doing a Bible study method on Deuteronomy chapter eight. Oh, but I can, if I get the right panic button topic, I can get those emails. I can get those contacts. I can get those phone calls. I can feel like I'm doing something. Fear, 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 anxiety, fear, fear. And, and, and someone says it comes from all directions. It does. The world is selling it. And I think it comes from inside the church. I'm more, but I am focused on how Christians react to it. Now, here's the reason I'm bringing this all up. I'm going to play a clip from NBC Nightly News. I believe this is April. I think it was like April the 19th. I, I've skipped the intro. Coming to the, this is the first story. 
that was reported on NBC Nightly News. You probably are familiar with this story. Let's just listen to it. Are you ready? Here we go. Good evening and welcome. They are the things that happen all the time. A mixed up address, pulling into the wrong driveway or confusing one car from another. Yet remarkably, for a third time in a week, seemingly innocent moments of confusion have led to bloodshed. From Kansas City, where a teen who approached the wrong doorstep is recovering from two bullet wounds. To New York State, where a 20-year-old woman was fatally shot after the car she was in accidentally drove up the wrong driveway. And now in Elgin, Texas, a high school cheerleader has been shot and seriously wounded after her friend apparently approached the wrong car. A string of tragedies unconnected, except for the fact in each case someone reacted with a gun. In all three cases, the alleged shooters have been arrested and face charges. Morgan Chesky has the latest. Three shootings in one week. Missouri, New York, and tonight, Elgin, Texas. All tied to seemingly innocent mistakes. Approaching the wrong car or home. I'm Peyton Washington on Woodlands Elite Generals. High school cheerleader Peyton Washington, the latest victim. After a stranger opened fire on her and three friends in the parking lot of a grocery store outside Austin. It was unfortunate these girls were um, just trying to get home. The girls traveling home from a late night practice to where they had all parked their cars. After one of the teens mistakenly approached the wrong vehicle, police say a man began shooting multiple times. The guy got out and they saw that he had a gun and so they tried to speed off and he shot his gun like five times or so. Police arresting Pedro Telo Rodriguez Jr. charged with deadly conduct, a third degree felony as Washington remains in the ICU. She's won every title there is to win in all-star cheerleading. She's literally a role model for the kids in this industry throughout the country. Everybody knows her. The latest shooting comes days after a Kansas City teen was shot in the head after going to the wrong home to pick up his younger brothers. The 84-year-old suspect pleading not guilty today to first-degree assault and armed criminal action and was released on $200,000 bond. The family pressing for additional hate crime charges. Ralph Yarl is now out of a hospital. His family releasing this new photo, calling him a walking miracle. Adding had the bullet hit his head a fraction of an inch in any other direction, he would probably be dead. Meanwhile, tonight in upstate New York, Kevin Monaghan pleading not guilty to murder and remanded into jail without bail. Monaghan's accused of fatally shooting 20-year-old Kaylin Gillis. She was in a car that accidentally pulled into his driveway, looking for a friend's house. Police say the suspect fired two shots from his front porch, killing Gillis. For this man to sit on his porch and fire at a car with no threat is just... It just angers me so badly. Tonight, communities grieving after common mistakes ended with violence. In three separate shootings. Now, I don't know how that makes you feel. Just just listening to that again, I just I got chills all over my body because it just I, I, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around this. All I can say is 
That's a culture of fear. People are so scared that one little thing goes wrong, grab a gun and start shooting people. Now, this is where the subject of guns is getting ready to get involved. And this is where I get myself in trouble with the Christian world because the Christian world universally seems to think that you need a Bible, a gun and Jesus unless, you know, for salvation, you know, a gun is basically a mark, you know, forget baptism. Now, guns are the sacrament that leads to salvation. And if anyone calls into question those guns, then you're not a Christian, you're a communist, you're a liberal, you're a socialist, you're Antifa. I don't know what you are. It's just insane. But I believe this is a symptom of a greater problem and that we're living with a culture of fear. There's so much worry. There's so much anxiety. There's paranoia that one little thing goes wrong. Someone does something that's just innocent. It's like, pull out a gun and shoot. It's it's insane to even think that three of them in a week, and I think there was a fourth one before that week was over, or maybe the next week. There's been like four now of these like crazy situations where it's just an innocent thing. It's like nobody can ask a question. Nobody can say, how may I help you? Nobody. It's just like, I'm just going to grab my gun and then start shooting. I don't understand. I just saw... Um, this morning, I don't, I don't remember where it was. The police went to the wrong house and they knocked on the door and the person came to the door with a gun, started shooting at the police. The police had to kill the person, even though he hadn't done anything wrong, but he, he, he had to show up with a gun. He had, he couldn't just open the door and go, yes, officers, how may I help you? Or stay, stay through the door. You know, how could like anything, but it was just immediately show up with a gun, grab a gun, grab a gun, grab a gun, grab a gun. And then this led me to an article entitled America's tragedy is its culture of fear armed with millions of guns. Now, I've, I've always asked the question over and over and over the Christian mindset about guns. I just don't understand. Like when I became a Christian, that was the thing that shocked me. It that they, I, I was so shocked and taken back. When I became a Christian, I viewed, like I didn't understand a lot about Christianity, but I knew, I mean, I'd read the Bible once, mainly just to argue against Christians. Okay. Um, all right, someone said, uh, so easy to control with fear. Um, and it is, it is easy to control with fear. Anyone using fear, you can control people and well, you can make lots of money. But so, so my, my initial reaction to Christianity, just, just so that people understand where I come from, cause I know I'm going to get lots of pushback on this. I have to explain it. This is not about guns, but I have to at least explain my confusion. All right. So when I, be, before I became a Christian, I was walking around wearing, you know, uh, peace signs, uh, you know, John Lennon, you know, give peace a chance, you know, make love, not war. War, you know, get rid of bombs, you know, against nuclear war. Like I was very much more in that kind of my mindset as as a, a lost person, right? Like you know, war, guns, violence. Like this is all. Like I was not a fan of any of it, right? I, I was not a fan of it. So when I became a Christian, I had read the Bible and I knew that Jesus said things like love your enemy, turn the other cheek, and those kinds of things. And I'm like, okay, okay. I, I think I think I have a basic understanding of how Christianity works. I, I wasn't, I'm not going to say I knew everything, but I had a basic idea. And then I become a Christian. I've told the story countless times. I'm a teenager. City, I think it was a Wednesday night service, First Baptist Church, Tuscola, Texas. I come in 
And then the pastor stands up and reads that I believe it was President Reagan had launched airstrikes, I think, in Beirut. I think it was Beirut. I'd have to go back and try to piece together the date and when it all happened. And I think people had been killed. And everyone in this congregation stood up and gave a standing ovation like for our military launching a military strike and people dying. And I was like, this is the most I could, I was uh, like, you don't even understand. I, I, I couldn't wrap my mind. I thought people would be like, oh no, people died. Oh no, this is horrible. Oh, let's pray about it. You know, I, I, and I was so mad. I got up and walked out. I could not believe that this was happening. And then I come to find out that no, 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 it was, it was like all the Christians I knew own a gun, own a gun, own a gun, own a gun, own a, if someone breaks into my house, I'm going to kill them. And I'm like, Wait a minute, where's about, how do you love your enemy when you're putting three bullets into one? I don't understand how, how does it turn the other cheek as I shoot you, love you as I shoot you? Uh, like, I, I'm so, I'm so worried about going to heaven that I'm going to kill you so that you don't send me there. I, like, I was so like perplexed by it. I know I say these things, I'm going to get all kinds of upset. But I, and, 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 and the, all the scriptures about fear not. God is your rock. God is your refuge. He will protect you. He's your shield. He's your defender. Trust in him. Do not fear. He did not give us a spirit of fear. And I'm like, okay, okay. Wait a minute. That sounds like a lot of fear, right? Because I'm like, we live in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Why do we need 10 guns? Who's going to be breaking like the crime rate? Nobody even locked their doors. I'm like, wait, maybe we should, instead of owning 10 guns, maybe we just get locks on our doors because we never locked our door ever. Nobody locked their door. Nothing, nothing was locked. And, uh, and, and it was weird. Like, but, but I was almost like, I just don't get it. I, I, I still don't, I, to this day, I still don't get it. But I believe that in 2023, this, this now fear's always been there. Let's make me make it very clear. I just feel that now everything is sold by creating a sense of panic, a sense of fear, a sense of danger that they're coming for you. Hey, they're coming for your children. You better go ban those books in the library. Oh, the drag shows. They're coming for your children. They're, because you know what kids do on a Saturday? They get on their bike and go find a drag show. You, you gotta, you gotta, we gotta stop it. And transgenders, they're coming for you. And, and it's like, it's like everything is fear, 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 fear. And I'm never saying, I'm not saying that there aren't illegitimate issues. And any of these things to be addressed, to be talked about, to be worked through, right? Uh, you know, I, I understand. I understand war. It's just so that people don't mistake me, I, I hold ma mainly to the Augustine view on war. I think I think Augustine did a pretty good idea with the just war theory. I think it's the best idea we can at least come up with. And so I, I, I will say, if I have to hold to something, the just war theory, I do believe the government bear doesn't bear the sword in vain. So the government has a right to, for an armed military, armed police to maintain law and justice for the common good of everyone. Okay, I, there are certain things I can articulate, but I just don't get this almost sense of fear and panic and paranoia that I'm always worried that someone's going to break in and someone's going to kill me. So I need a gun. And so if I hear anything in the middle of the night, my first reaction is to get a gun, make sure there's a bullet in the chamber, finger on the trigger and be ready to shoot someone. I just don't understand that kind of fear. Now, I, I, get, no, I take it back. I do understand that kind of fear if I'm an atheist. I do understand that. If I don't, if I think this is it, I got one ride. This is it. And when this ride is over, I go back to dirt. 
well, then I'm going to want this ride to last as long as possible, and I want it to be happy and healthy. So I'm going to kill anyone who's going to shorten my ride. I'm going to take anyone out. I don't understand it from a Christian perspective where we have all of these scriptures about love your enemy, turn the other cheek, you know, die to self, deny self, put others before self. You're going to spend forever in heaven where there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more death. And it's the greatest thing you've ever heard. You should love it. And no, 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 don't send me there. there. There's things about it I just don't understand. But we live in a, a culture of fear. So I'm going to read a little bit of this article. And again, my, my, what I want to just try to get people to think about today, are we living in a culture of fear and what should the b- Christian response be to it? Now, you still may want 10 guns. You still may want one loaded next to your bed at night. You still may get, that's fine. I'm not here to argue against that. I just want you to think about whatever you do with guns or don't do with guns, that's irrelevant. But we do, I think, need to consider in a culture where fear is constantly being sold to us that we think about it in a much more theological perspective. That's all I'm saying, all right? And trust me, I know what happens when I speak against guns. I get phone calls with people threatening to kill me, all right? So I don't understand why gun people get so sensitive when someone says that they threaten. It's like, I think you're proving my point, right? Okay. You're threatening to kill me because I dare question God. And, and that's from people who listen to me on a Christian podcast. I can't even imagine what, yeah, it, it, I, man, don't even get me started on all the death threats I have received over the years. Okay. But here we go. Here's the story. America's tragedy is its culture of fear armed with millions of guns. Now, this is going to be talking a lot about guns, but I want to talk about the culture of fear. So let's see what they say here. Patriotic culture warriors are terrified of drag queens, illegals, extremely rare vaccine injuries, but tens of thousands of annual gun deaths, eh, not so much. Now, I think that's true that every side has what they are afraid of, And every political side you find yourself, they sell their fear. Republicans sell one kind of fear so that you will vote for them. Democrats sell a different kind of fear. But everyone is selling fear. The church sells fear. It has, right? The great satanic threat of the 80s. They sold fear. The music threat, the whatever it is, the the Islamic threat, the church is always selling fear. So you're getting fear sometimes sold to you from the pulpit or from the couch, from the Republicans, from the Democrats, from everyone. They go on to say, this, this is the back to the article, and I quote. Now, again, a lot of this is going to be about guns, so just everyone remain calm. Take a deep breath. I'm not coming for your gun. I'm not going to take your gun from you. You're okay. Don't need to fear. Don't need to panic. Your gun is safe, okay? All right? I remember hearing all throughout the Obama administration that all of our guns are going to be taken from us. We were all going to be microchipped and put in FEMA camps. I know. I heard that from Christians constantly. I made it through the entire Obama administration. There was no Sharia law. I did not become a Muslim. Nobody came to get my guns, and I wasn't put in a FEMA camp, and I'm still able to preach whatever I want to preach, even though I was told all of those things were not going to happen. Okay, but I digress. This is what they say. I've long avoided writing anything related to guns. Being both largely unfamiliar with firearms and lacking a passionate view on either gun control or gun rights. 
Judging by national polling on the subject, I suppose you'd call me middle of the road on guns, believing citizens do indeed have the constitutional right to bear arms, but that the government can and should impose certain limitations on that right. This is the view of both the average American and the average member of the NRA. I don't have a legal background and don't claim to be an expert on constitutional interpretations of the Second Amendment, though I suspect the word well-regulated is in there for a reason. And while I wish the founding fathers or their near descendants would have had the sense to be a little bit more specific about the rights of the people to own and carry instant gratification machines that are also instruments of death, I accept that this is America. We are a gun culture. Still, I find gun people who want to abolish guns to be living in a fantasy world. You're never going to ban guns in the United States. The country is too big with too many wildly different cultures and a federalist system that makes top-down edicts essentially impossible. Guns outnumber people in this country and probably always will. That's hard to comprehend that guns outnumber people in America. That is hard to believe. I like I know I, maybe I need to verify that stat, but that's hard for me to just comprehend. I, I know here in West Texas it's true because I think everyone in West Texas has five guns. And if there's more people in the house, they have more guns because, you know, hey, little Johnny, you turn three. You need a shotgun. OK, I, but I digress. I, uh, <laughs> um, a little bit of a joke there, but OK. But we are a gun culture. And I do believe it's it's a fantasy world to believe guns are ever going to be banned in the United States of America. I do believe that as well. Most Americans feel strongly about their constitutional right to own guns and definitely will not give them up voluntarily. And if you think the government will someday go door to door demanding people fork over their weapons, please allow me to remind you of the fact that many Americans believed government workers going door to door to offer free voluntary COVID-19 vaccines were a harbinger of oncoming uh, Stalism or Hitlerism. That should be, that should debase you, that should, uh, that should basically, you know, convince you of the notion that there will ever be a peaceful de-weaponizing of the American uh, population. In other words, it should convince you that there's never going to be a peaceful de-arming of the United States of America. People did get upset if someone went door to door and offered a free COVID vaccine. They're like, that's it. We're Hitler. We're going to concentration camps. It's the end of the world. Again, fear, 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 fear. So if that happened, clearly the government's not going to go door to door being able to take people's guns, all right? Or put it this way, it's not going to be peaceful, all right? But after so many years as a gun policy agnostic, I've been moved by the right's myriad culture war panics to wonder why the same tribes who provide U.S. gun culture with its intellectual and political heft have absolutely nothing to say about America's heritage of gun death, now, that is true. Now, this, that, I think this is a little bit true because many on the right are constantly culture war fear, culture war fear, fear this, fear this, fear this. But when it comes to how many people die with guns, it's always like, well, you know, I mean, that's just the way it is. And, you know, it's not it's not guns that kill people. It's people who kill people with guns. Right. And from a Christian perspective, I'm always like, oh, yeah. And everyone is totally depraved. And there's nothing can go wrong with arming as many depraved people as possible with guns. Okay, But but I, I digress. That's where my theology comes into play. Like, I just know, hey, everyone here is totally depraved. They have a sinful nature. 
Give them guns. Now, some would say, well, see, I need a gun to protect me because everyone is depraved. But you are depraved. But I guess you never think your depravity could ever cause you to do something wrong with a gun. I, I don't know. Okay. I, I just know I don't trust myself with basically anything. But okay, I, 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 I digress. Let, let's continue. You, uh, then they, they have a picture of these people. I don't know where this is. Uh, this is uh, this is angry parents and community me- members protest after a school board meeting was halted by the school board because the crowd refused to cry it down. Critical race theory was the topic at hand. Oh, how how could I forget? Um, we're discussing a culture of fear. Critical race theory. Oh my goodness. I've been told, I don't know how many, critical race theory is going to destroy the church. Critical race theory is the greatest threat to evangelicalism. Critical race theory is going to destroy us all. We've got to get rid of critical race theory. And then there became a Christian, a Christian industrial complex writing books about critical race theory and how it was all going to end the world. Someone just said, it says, quick check, uh, 393 million guns in the United States. 46% 46% of the world's guns owned by civilians. Wow, that's that's a lot of guns. That's a lot of guns. Hey, you know what? If we had more guns, we would have fewer deaths. I don't know how many more guns we need, right? I mean, I hear that logic all the time. What we need is more guns. 393 million guns in the United States. Maybe if we get that to 400 million, we'll stop all the gun deaths. Maybe if we get that to 500. I digress. I digress. Again, this is not about guns. This is about culture of fear. So they have all these people, this picture of these people at a school board meeting, losing their minds over critical race theory. That has stopped the whole school board meeting because nobody would calm down because, you know, it's adults and they're scared to death that their kids are going to learn critical race theory in high school. And what are we going to do? They'll become, I don't know what. Okay. I, I, man, American Family Radio, them selling the fear of critical race theory. I, I, I almost started drinking heavily listening to that nonsense every day. And then, of course, books have been written about critical race theory. Oh, man, I think we've moved on now. I don't know if critical race theory is still the issue. I think co- Christians have calmed down. Now it's drag show brunch or whatever it is. It's, it's books in the library. It's something. There's always something. They go on to say, the the MAGA flag humpers, the DeSantis stands, the edgelord libertarians, to name a few, they're all freaked out about something. All right. Now, you may not like the way they re- reference those who are MAGA, but OK. Uh, you may not like the fact that they refer to some as De- 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 DeSantis stands or edgelord libertarians. The point is, whether you're MAGA, whether you're just a Republican or whether you're a libertarian, everyone is always freaked out about something. That is the case. It could be Twitter's pre-Elon Musk content moderation policies worse than Watergate. Remember when Twitter had these, you know, content moderation policies and everybody was yelling and screaming? It could be the temporary vaccine mandates and public spaces that mostly ended in 2021. You're never going to force me to take the New World Order clot shot. And of course, LGBTQ theme books and biographies of civil rights figures at school libraries. Keep your porn and critical race theory out of our kids' brains, you groomer woke moralist. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of how that works. So while everyone's yelling and screaming, yet the roughly twenty thousand gun-related deaths in the U.S. last year, if you count suicides, is more than the double, than, is more than doubled that amount. Don't move the rights culture war outrage needle, not 
one bit. That's that's interesting. All right. Uh, okay. Wait. The new fear I heard is U.S. Uh, currency, or, or uh, I guess the U.S. currency ends in June or July. Okay. Yeah, I, I've heard some things about that. That our currency is going to cr- collapse and we're all going to die. It's, it's always something, but. It's true when you have that many gun deaths and for some reason that doesn't create the outrage. That doesn't create the worry. That doesn't create the fear. And I've often wondered why. Why why, why are all the gun deaths don't bother anybody? Because here's the thing. I, I think people fear all of these other things and so they need something to give a sense of security. And I guess for some people what gives a sense of security is having a gun loaded and ready to use. Now, I am not saying that every single time some kind of horrible shooting takes place, it's because someone is acting out of fear or paranoia because I cannot speak of what's going on in a person's mind. But I think some of these recent shootings show you something's going on. Let's go on, read a little bit more what they have to say. Um, sure, they'll wax poetic about the dangers of democratic cities, the te- deteriorating public safety of San Francisco, the endle- endless violent crime on the south side of Chicago, and the attacks on the federal building in Portland staged by Antifa clowns that happened three years ago. These all strike fear and loathing in the hearts and minds of Fox News viewers, but not the fact that America holds a unique and shameful place as the Western world's capital of gun violence. It's a common mistake to confuse antidotes with data, but drag story hour videos on on libs of TikTok breathlessly talk about cryptic speaking Joe Rogan guests or a vast conspiracy to hide countless COVID vaccine injuries and Toni Morrison books and school libraries um, have all been used as evidence to prove Western civilization is in peril. Or that communist China, the World Economic Forum, and Bud Light are all aligned in a conspiracy to turn Americans into self-hating groomers with blood clots. Since we've established that antidotes matter when it's your point to be made, let's briefly note a few uniquely American stories from the past week. And then they're going to go through a lot of the shootings that have taken place, right? Uh, they go through a number of these, right? Uh, that's It's five five different states uh, in just a few days, right? And then they go through and talk about it, about all of the shootings. And of course, a lot of this turns into a lot about guns. I mean, I mean it's a long article. A lot of this turns into about guns, all right? Um, but here, let's read this last statement. We're a country of pioneers and innovators. And sometimes we even unite to undo historic wrongs committed by our government. There's no reason we can't look at our culture of irrational fear tied to our culture of firearm worship and say, let's do just a little bit better than this. Now, you can read the whole article. It's at thedailybeast.com. Again, the article is entitled, America's Tragedy is Its Culture of Fear Armed with Millions of Guns. Now, clearly, it takes a a more non-conservative approach to the subject. I understand. It's not Republican. I understand. But you you can go look at it for yourself so that you can read the entire thing. What caught my attention is not so much the discussion on guns, but the discussion or at least the mention of we're living in a culture of fear. And as everyone's fearing all of these other things, they don't fear gun violence. 
Or if they do fear gun violence, their solution is more guns, even though we have the last look, 393 million guns, which is kind of bizarre that we would need more. But okay, okay, we we can have that discussion. I just want us to stop and think, as a Christian, how much is, I really want you to think about this, how much of your ideology, how much of your political views, how much of your reaction to things is driven in some capacity by some level of fear, worry, and anxiety? Now, I'm not saying fear. Now, it's typically, man, I don't fear anything, right? Okay, I understand that. But, but there's still a some, it may not be like a, oh, no, I'm scared. But there's a, there's a sense of fear that drives the way you think, the way you look at things. I'm just going to go through some scriptures. And one that I, th- I think we all know is we do have 2 Timothy 1.7. We do have 2 Timothy 1.7. Now, I know these re- would require context. I know we would require us to do some work on all of these, but I just want to throw a lot of scriptures at you to consider. 2 Timothy 1.7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, as a Christian, if you are not, if you do not have a spirit of fear and you're operating from a spirit of power, love, and of sound mind, how should that look? What should that mean? How should we view, like, there's, like, whatever fear, whatever everyone is panicking about and getting upset about on a Monday, when you come into work and you're standing around the water cooler and everyone's talking about their worry, their fear, their concern, how should the Christians speak of it? Because you don't have a spirit of fear, one of power of love and of a sound mind. Do they see that power, that love and that sound mind or do they see you just as worried and fearful but maybe in a different way? Obviously, we know what God told Israel before they went into the promised land. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God, or the words that I think Joshua gives to Israel. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, do you believe God is with you wherever you go? Do you believe in his omnipresence? Do you believe he is present everywhere? Does that lead you? Do you do, does that mean anything to us? I mean, theologically, we believe God is with us everywhere. God is omnipresent. He is with us everywhere. And we believe as Christians that he even indwells us. What does that mean? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Does it mean anything? Uh, uh, God speaking to Israel in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, for, uh, for I am with you. Do not be d- dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41, 10. Now you may say, well, that doesn't have a promise for us. That's just for Israel. That's okay. But is there anything in that promise that would be, would be repeated in the New Testament that we could apply to us? Psalm 34, 4. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Does God free us from our fears in any way, shape, or form? Psalm 32.7. Psalm 32.7. Psalm 32.7. I want to see how it's translated in the King James. 
Psalm 32, 7. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with song of deliverance. Is God really your hiding place? Is God really uh, a hiding, your hiding place? Can, can you trust in him in any way, shape, or form? John, John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Do we really have peace? Do we really have peace? Do we really believe the Lord is my shepherd and he's guiding and directing? And then if, and if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are, you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do we really fear no evil as Christians? Or do we, or do, what, what, what do we mean by we fear no evil? Psalm 18, 2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my savior. My God is my rock and whom I find protection. He is my shield. Do, do we, do we really believe that? Now, I would just want you to look up all the scriptures about fear, all the scriptures about not worrying. Take no thought for your life, what you will eat, what you will wear, right? God cares for you. Does he, I mean, look, either we have to just explain these promises away to they basically become meaningless or nothing. We have to either just apply them that God will take care of us spiritually, but there's no, there's no, God doesn't do anything for us physically in the material world. Or we, or we just, or we just live and we, we make these professions of faith about God being there for us, but we live and operate in a constant sense of total fear and worry and anxiety. And then what, what, where does that fear, worry and anxiety lead us? Someone made a, a very interesting point in, in, in the chat where they said, it's so easy to control with fear. It is. You, like, as Christians, we should not be controlled by fear. We should not be manipulated by fear. We should not vote because of fear. We should not allow that to happen. And we've got to at least have a historical perspective. Like, like when I was a young Christian, I would not have realized this, but I've been a Christian long enough to know, man, I've been sold all of this fear. Forget what the world was telling me to be afraid of. I've been sold all of this fear by the church. I have been told that all of my religious rights are going to be taken away. I'm not going to be able to preach. They're going to shut down my church. That I, like I'm going to be, I'm going to get microchipped. I'm going to be put in a FEMA camp. That Satanists are roaming around to destroy us and kill us and sacrifice us. And that rock music is going to make me be possessed by demons. And that Harry Potter was the greatest threat to children since I don't know since anything, right? I mean, of all the threats that have ever happened, forget Satan, Harry Potter was it. Harry Potter was the beginning of the end. I mean, go read the Lord of the Rings and save yourself because Harry Potter, and now it's like, well, you know, I mean, the author said some things against transgenderism. Maybe Harry Potter's not so bad. It's weird how that changed. You know, Harry Potter, Marilyn Manson was the end of the, the beginning of the end of our generation. And it, it, and it's, it, professional wrestling was, was evil and ungodly. I understand in the nineties, it was pretty, it was pretty explicit. Uh, but okay, though that time, but everyone moves on. Everyone moves on. I, I find it funny because I remember. <laughs> It, to me, it's hilarious. Like, um, I can remember the music that I was being told was destroying us. It was going to turn us into sinners and all the horrible things it was going to do. And now I'll hear some of that music in a commercial. 
right? Uh, you'll be in a grocery store and you hear it playing over the speaker. And I'm like, wait, wait, where's the panic? Where's the fear? Oh, oh, don't listen to that. Now it's like, it's just, it's no big deal. And now we're worried about something else. I remember when gangster rap, gangster rap was going to bring us all down. I'm like There's always something that I'm supposed to be afraid of. And then we just move on to the next thing. And nobody ever catches on to the game. The Bible constantly says, do not fear, do not worry, constantly gives us scriptures about trusting in God. What does that look like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? What should that look like? I know we're way early on this, but what should that look like when we get to the general election and you're going to be either casting a vote for Biden, if Trump is not in prison, maybe Trump, maybe DeSantis, I don't know who you're going to be voting for. How should that, how should fear, worry, and anxiety not impact a Christian when it comes to voting if you vote? Now, someone's going to say, are you saying we should never worry about anything? I'm not saying that. I'm saying we also, we have to be measured and look at it from a biblical perspective. And I'm asking you, how do all these scriptures about fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, what does that look like in your life and my life? I don't know if I have a good answer. Do I truly believe that nothing happens apart from the sovereign decree of God? If God is in charge, how does that, do, I mean, now I, and th- theologically, I believe that in practice in everyday life, I, I, I clearly act sometimes like I don't believe that. Some people got shot for knocking on the wrong door, pulling up in the wrong driveway, going to the wrong car. In the world, I expect fear, paranoia, panic, anxiety. I expect that. But as believers, there should be something different in the way we think. Now, obviously, our sinful nature is still going to lead to fear and lead to some of this because it, you know, this, the sinful nature is all going to be about preserve yourself at all costs. Your, your sinful nature is going to say exalt self, preserve self, and get rid of any threat that's, that's opposed. So, I mean, the sinful nature is going to do that. But how, how should we think about it? Now, just to, just, to, just to close, I'm not saying get rid of your guns. I'm not coming for your guns. Just calm down, calm down. Don't don't be telling your wife to get in the car. We got to go buy some guns because that Theology Central podcast is calling for the banning of guns. We got to go buy 50 because we always know that's what happens. As soon as anyone says anything about guns, everyone runs to the gun store and buys guns like crazy because, you know, the government's going to come get them all. So you don't need to go take a special trip to the gun store. I'm not I'm not even here to deal with that. What I'm here is the way you think, the way you act, the way you feel Is it consistent with a biblical perspective on fear or is it more consistent with a culture of fear that constantly sells fear to motivate you to watch their program, buy their product, vote for them, and you're being manipulated by it? 
How does fear impact the culture in which you and I live in 2023? And how has that culture of fear infiltrated your church, my church? And how has it infiltrated your Christian life and my Christian life? I would love to get your thoughts. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Love to get your thoughts. Thanks for listening. God bless.